Cool. So, peacemakers. That is that is the title of today. Okay, so let's just dive straight in. Okay, so this is one of the Beatitudes. This is me continuing the uh, uh, series on Beatitudes that I've been doing. Uh, oh, there we go. There we go, cool. So the verse today is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay? Uh, now, like I said, I'm just going to dive straight in rather than backtrack and go over the other ones. And, and, and the thing I want to focus on first today is the word called. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Right, so what does it mean to call? There you go. Cool. So what does it mean to call? Well, to call means to give a name to. Right? Angie, Val, David. Okay? But more specifically, it's actually changing the name of something in this context. It's, it's to receive, if you are called, you, are, you receive a new name or title. Kind of think of Jesus calling uh, Simon Peter or God calling Abram Abraham. Okay, you're changing someone's name. And in, and in the Middle Eastern ancient society around when Jesus was alive, um, to name somebody, or sorry, he's always alive, but you know what I mean, when, you know, on the earth. Okay, so to name somebody back then is to claim ownership over them. Okay, you are basically saying, if you rename someone, you are basically saying, you are mine, I now own you. Okay. Doesn't mean you just walk down the street and say, "Oh yeah, Larry." And you can just take someone. By the way, okay, it's not like that. But it's, it's some big legal thing. So, um, so now ownership can be many things. But talking specifically about people, it will be one of either two things. Okay. Uh. <laughs> wow, it's not really working for me today, is it? Oh, well, it's not coming up. Okay, I'll just say them. Okay, so it'll be one of either two things, okay? You'll either have a slave, okay, owning a slave, or owning an adoptive son, okay? Now, adoption was very common in Jesus' time, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't common to the Jews, it was common to the Greeks, okay? Now, children were quite expensive for the Romans, aren't they still? Right? And... Um, <laughs> You know, but, and, and sons were even more so because they would be the ones to go through the schooling. Okay? And, uh, and, 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 and if you were a higher ranking family, you would have to pay more as well for your children. Okay? Um, and, and having a son was probably the most important thing to them because that way you got to carry on your lineage. Okay? So it's important. It's not. It's, it's important to carry on the family name. And because of certain expectations and costs, most Roman families had no more than three children. And we're talking about the richer ones. Okay? No more than three children, usually. Okay? And, uh, and only the sons are the heirs in this. So, the solution, if you're unfortunate enough to have only girls in that society, or you have too many expensive boys, was adoption. Okay? Adoption back then is very different to what we see as adoption today. Okay? It was a, one, it was a very public process. People would know. Okay? It wasn't a private thing. Plus, it wasn't, it wasn't a shameful thing in any way, shape, or form. I've, 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 I've known some adopted people, and they kind of half feel ashamed of it, or some others are quite happy. That's fine. You know, but what, you know, what I mean is there, there was no shame at all. It was actually complete opposite. It was, a, it was quite an honor 
honouring and prestigious thing to be adopted because you are going from one family to another to carry on a name. Okay, you're given a lot of honour, and usually it's quite a, 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 a big name or whatever that you're, that you're carrying forward. Okay, and uh, so there's, there's no shame. It's full of honour, and, um, and and the, the, the thing is, it's a completely legal thing. It was a binding, irrevocable legal document that that that, that happens that, that gave the adoptee a new family, a new name, a new home, and all the honour, prestige, benefits, and inheritance that actually came with that. Okay? In fact, an adoptee had a stronger standing than a natural biological son. Okay? They could, if the family wanted to, because the, the father of the family, which would be a, usually a big family, including obviously biological members, slaves, and, other, and freed people, and other whatever that they were responsible for, he, he had complete authority to put whatever punishment he wanted on his children, as if they were slaves. And he could go to... like. Um, he, he could go the whole hog. He, he could even put the death penalty on them if he wanted to. And he could cast out his sons. But if he brought in an adoptee for his name, he could never cast that adoptee out. It was binding. Okay? He had no say. So an adoptee had a stronger standing than a natural son back then in a family. Okay? So, so that's what called is. It's kind of adopting. It's, it's being owned. So, so what does it mean... <laughs> Getting ahead of himself. So um, let's focus on the word son. So, bless them, peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Right. The word son here, okay, is not Paul being sexist. Okay? Uh, he's actually speaking in legal terms. Okay? He's speaking in legal terms. He's not preferring men over women. He's speaking in Pure legal terms. A son in that culture, as I've said before, he was the heir to his father's inheritance, whether it was his natural father or he was adopted in. Okay? No daughter was ever an heir in this period. Okay? It just didn't happen, mainly because they would marry someone who was already an heir and they'd be all right anyway. Okay? So, but the daughters didn't get an inheritance. Men, men got it. The sons got it. However, Paul is applying the term son to both male and female Christians here. Okay, so he's not just saying, oh, you know, forget, forget the women, it's all about men. No, no, he's saying sons as a, as, a, as a legal word, but he's applying it to both men and women. Okay, and basically this word can just be exchanged as it was back then for heir. So when you read son of God, you can pretty much translate that to heir of God. Okay, and that's what we are. That's what it's saying. Okay, we are heirs of God. Okay, and the word here, when when it uses sons and that, is is not one used of little children. Ah, my little son. Okay, it's one of an older child who has a lot of respect and honour. Okay, and in Roman adoption and inheritance law, all heirs didn't wait until the death of their father, like we do with our wills these days. Okay, to claim their property and their inheritance. Okay, all property remained for fathers. Okay, the sons didn't have any of their own property, but the fathers had joint control over it, and they were just as respected and honoured as their father in the control of that. Okay? They're pretty much seen as an, as an image of their father. Okay? They had all right, and yeah, like I said, all control. Okay? And they inherited whilst their father lived. It wasn't death that enabled inheritance back then, it was birth. Okay? So in a nutshell... We are adopted into his family as heirs, okay? And we gain benefits from that. We, we, we gain the benefit of calling him father, or even better, Abba, which is like dad or daddy, okay? Um, which, 
which kind of helps because I don't actually uh, call my dad father. Hello, father. I'm not like upper crust, but you know, uh, <laughs> I call him dad. So I kind of think, well, so sometimes I, I just call God dad, you know. So, so, but we, we're allowed to use that word. That's 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 what it is. That's a benefit of being in His family. Okay. And as a loving father, and we know he's loving because it says so throughout the scriptures, okay, he looks out for us as you would look out for your own child. Okay? Uh, I took my kids to a party um, yesterday, and, uh, and I nearly didn't go because I, I was busy working, but I'm, I'm glad I did because, uh, you know, they had with the, you know, the mats out and, you know, all these you know, ball pools and all of that stuff. And, uh, and it, was just, it was just nice watching them play, you know? I really enjoyed that, and, and then calling me, oh, come, you know, come play, Dad, come play, Daddy, you know, and, uh, and, and, and it, was just, it was just a joy, you know, and, and, and uh, I realized something, I mean, I, I know this anyway, but I, I realized, you know, I, I love these guys more than anything, more than anything, more than anyone. The only, the only two people I, I love more than my children are my wife and God. That's it. Okay? Now, if, if I, someone who is so faulty and, and filled with rubbish, can love my children that much, how much more can a perfect God love his children? And if I would put my life before my own children, how much more would he do? How much more has he already done? He is a loving father who dearly loves his children. Okay? And that's a benefit. He loves us. He protects us. He is our safety, our security. You know, I, I don't know. There are a lot of people who have good relationships with their parents when they were kids. There are a lot of people who had bad ones. I, I, didn't, have a, I didn't have a brilliant relationship. Uh, but I know of people who have. And, you know, and, and, you know, you see some stuff on films as well. It's like, Daddy, Daddy, you know. And, and you kind of run, they run to them for protection and comfort. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, that's what we do with our father. You know, he's a good father. He's our... He is our comfort. He is our protection. He cares for us. And he disciplines us as well for our own good. You know, discipline is important. And he gives us good gifts. He is a good, loving father. We have an incredible benefit of being in his family. We also, as sons, gain an inheritance, a new place to call home, a new earth. You know, a place where we can and will govern and rule under his authority alongside him. Okay? And... We also gain confidence and hope because this is a legal adoption that has taken place, a spiritual legal adoption. And just like the Roman one, as Paul was pushing towards in his own message um, in uh, Romans, this will never be revoked. Once you are in, you are in. You will not fall. Okay? I know we feel it. I know we backslide. I know we mess up. But if you are truly God's and he has truly made you a part of his family by legal adoption you won't be out, okay? We have eternal security that we will not perish, but we will live forever in the household of God, okay? So these are great things, yes? Yeah. These are great things, okay? On top of this, obligations. See, on top of receiving the benefits and the security and the inheritance and the prestige, in Roman adoption, all of the adoptees' previous responsibilities and debts were made void, they were cancelled, Okay, immediately, effective immediately. Okay, and instead, they gained new responsibilities and obligations to their new family. 
We as Christians have been freed from our obligation. If you indeed have given your life to God, we are free from our obligations of our old sinful self and our old desires. Okay? We have done away with our master of sin and Satan and the world. And we have received a new master, a new father. Okay? And we have a new responsibility to be like our father. Okay? It's interesting because God says they are, they are when he speaks of the, the hypocrites and the, and, and the people who aren't of God, he says their son is the, uh, they are sons of their father, the devil. Okay? But you are sons of your father in heaven. Okay? So we are to be like our new father. And one of the ways we are supposed to imitate him in this new role, is, in, in our role as that, is, is his role as a peacemaker. We are supposed to imitate his role as a peacemaker. Okay? So, let's jump back to the first part of Blessed are the Peacemakers. Okay? So what is a peacemaker? The word peacemaker comes from two Greek words that I cannot pronounce for the life of me. Okay? I'll have a good shot at it, right? Okay? Uh, hopefully it will come up. Hopefully it will come up. Hopefully. There we go. Anyone want to venture a guess? Irini, I don't know. <laughs> it means peace, security, safety, exemption from rage, and the havoc of war. Okay? And you've also got another one. I'm going to guess poio. I don't know. Your, your guess is as good as mine. To make, produce, cause, and bring forth. So, taking these two Greek words and putting them together is literally what we get. Peacemaker, it literally means to produce peace. To create security, to cause safety. Okay? That's how it looks like when we, when we take them and look at them in the Greek context, which is fr- pretty much what peacemaker is. So, so okay, so that's, that's a peacemaker in just, in just words. Okay, so, so how does it actually look to produce peace? That's what we want well, to see. How does it look? Okay? Now, let's look at its opposite. I'd say the antithesis of peace is war or conflict. Right? I'd say that is the antithesis of peace. Okay? It's, it's the opposite of it. Okay? And here's the thing. I didn't even write this bit in my notes. Okay, we live in a world dominated by, by war, by hostility, by um, terrorism, by extremism, by racism, by murder, rape, uh, by... Uh, I'll stay away from the natural ones like death and disease and all that, though that's not good either. But, you, you know, basically there is so much conflict, different groups, different sects, everyone di- disagreeing, arguing, quarrelling, fighting... Okay, we live in a world dominated by this stuff. Okay? And, and, and the interesting thing is, all attempts to make peace in any and all situations, whether it's uh, to criminals, whether it's to other countries or whatever, they all seem to fail. They all seem to fail at some point. Okay? They may last a short while, but the, the track record of them is they eventually crumble. Why? Why are we trying so hard to make peace? Why does it crumble? Why does it break down? Why does conflict continue to overwhelm the measures of peace we attempt to put into place? James has a good answer. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. He's talking to Christians in this, but it it, it, it has a wider impact as well. See, here's the thing, here's the thing. The problem, our main problem, why everything fails according to this verse, lies, it lies in the hearts of men. Our deceitful desires and passions cause enmity and conflict. The reason our peace treaties and rehabilitation centres and everything else fail is because they overlook one important aspect, which is the human heart. 
They aim to instead make all these changes on the outside, external changes, believing that by changing the way you just act and are, that will cause a change, hopefully, on the inside. But it doesn't. The thing is, if you know these verses, they're cleaning the outside of the cup, but forgetting the inside. They are trying to take a saltwater spring and produce fresh water out of it. But forgetting that source is still pumping out the salt water and whatever filters they chuck on it will eventually fail. They ignore the root issue and they can't see it because they are blinded by the God of this world. They can't see it. Now don't get me wrong, a lot of what they do is, is well meant and some of it is actually good, you know. But no amount of rehabilitation or rules or legislations or whatever else are going to change people. It just doesn't happen. Okay? The heart needs dealing with. And only out of a heart that naturally produces peace will you ever get true peace. Okay? So, it then follows that the heart where peace resides cannot be a dark place. It can't be a heart that is also corrupted with evil desires. As our verse verse said, you know, our our desires are, are what is causing conflict in the first place. And James has something else to say about peace uh, a bit earlier, actually. Um, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. I find that really interesting because I I, I really wonder if James was actually thinking of Jesus' words because they would have treated Jesus' words as scripture, pretty much, right? So, So I wonder if he had his words in his mind then because the Beatitudes that we're preaching on, Jesus maintains the exact same order, Uh, He actually says first, blessed are the pure in heart, and then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Okay? And we learn something about peace from this. Peace is not peace at any cost. It doesn't look the other way and avoid the issues. It isn't tolerant of what is wrong or corrupt. Okay? It doesn't compromise and obscure truth. Okay? Now, some peace treaties are formed by pretty much looking the other way while injustice is going on, the avoidance of war. It's not peace, it's avoidance. Okay? And the longer you avoid problems, whatever they are, and, and, and avoid injustice that's being done just to secure a false pretense of peace, then the more the real issues will boil under the surface until they rise again more aggressively than they were before. Yeah. You can see this in just basic relationships. You know, if you just ignore an issue, eventually you get to a point where you just want to punch the person. So, right? And they probably want to punch you, you know? <laughs> you know, but you see it. That's just the way we are. It's not good to avoid issues. So peace isn't that, okay? First, you need to do what is right and what is just and uphold what is true. We do that and we do it peaceably, okay? Let's look at our example. Our example. See, our God never asks us to be what he already isn't, okay? He's not a hypocrite, okay? Peacemaking is a trait of God himself. We are told in the Bible, I don't know exactly where it is, but it says to be imitators of God, okay? It also says that we are being made into the image of his son, okay? We are being made like the original true heir, Jesus, okay? So... How is God a peacemaker? That's the question I want to really ask. How is he a peacemaker? Okay. So, let's get this. Genesis, the Bible, begins with peace. Okay. He makes a world, it's a perfect world, it's a good world, he declares it good, everything's working fine, there's no death, there's no conflict, it's all gravy, it's all good. Right? That's it. 
Okay? He finished it all and said, yes, this is good. This is very good. Okay? Peace and tranquility reigned. Brilliant. Okay? But the story turned sour. Pretty much the third chapter. So, right? So uh, the rest of the Bible is all, yeah, the mess that we've created for ourselves. Right? So the story turns out we desired God's position. We desired God's position. We would have said no to the snake otherwise. We desired to be like God. We desired his position. And so we rebelled against him to attempt to have it. We created conflict with God of all people. We, in a sense, declared war against him. Not the most intelligent thing to do to someone who's in control of everything. Now, here's the thing. He could have destroyed us. He could have destroyed us, and he would have been perfectly just in doing so. He could have made us pay the price for our crimes of treason immediately, but he didn't. He instead set out to make peace. Okay? Now, this is the most important question. How did he do it? You really need to get this. How did he make peace? Did he ignore our rebellion? Did he say, hey, you know what, I love you, you know what, guys, I, I love you guys so much, I know you, you really hurt me, but hey, you know, uh, let's, let's just make up and be friends, you know, I, I, lo- I love you guys so much, I'll, I'll just leave everything in the past, I'll let it slide, it's fine, come on, I love you, I love you, I love you, come on, let's just make up. Not Christians think that way, but that God just, you know, lets us off, and they believe in his forgiveness while not really understanding what forgiveness actually is and what the price was to actually enable forgiveness's use. Okay? Forgiveness means to cancel a debt. Okay? Or, you know, to cover a wrong. And that's great, I guess, you know. But the problem is, the debt still needs to be paid by someone, in our case. Okay? Just to cancel it and ignore the effects, which would be a fallen world and conflict and hostility between God and man and all the death we brought in by our treason, to ignore that would be unjust. Just as if we ignored a murderer or a rapist on trial. Just to, oh, we forgive you. People would be crying out for justice. Same here. It wouldn't be just. And God is pure and he's always just first. So, what did he do? He sent his son, his heir, to come down to our earth and secured justice first. Okay? He did what was right, which is he obeyed the law in our place. He he did everything we should have done. And he paid for what was wrong. That is, he paid the debt that we personally owe for our own rebellion against God. Once he secured that by his death on the cross, then came peace. Okay? He brought peace in by doing justice. Okay? Justice first. <laughs> through, through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you. He has brought peace to you, to himself, through the death of Christ in his physical body. And it's more, I didn't realise. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So it's, he, ups, he upheld justice to bring us peace. 
Okay, and that was the only way of bringing us true peace. Okay, so that's how, that's how Jesus did it. Okay, so the question is... Man, it's really sucky today. What's going on? Okay, what is it for us to be peacemakers? What is it for us? How does that look for us then? Because we can't come down to earth and die on the cross and whatever else. Okay, so what is it for us to be peacemakers? We've seen how God did it. Okay, but how are we to imitate him? Well, first and foremost, peacemaking is extending his peace that he made, that he gave us, to others. Okay? That's our version of peacemaking. Okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I think I've missed something because that isn't what I started, so I'm just going to read out this. So, <laughs> and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Peacemaking is gospel sharing. That's what it is for us, okay? It's sharing the peace that he gave us. Now, interestingly enough as well, when, when the gospel is mentioned in the scriptures, gospel meaning good news, it's often called the gospel of peace, okay? Very often called the gospel of peace. When we share our faith with others, when we share our faith with others, we are extending the incredible message of God's peace and therefore we are being peacemakers in doing so. Now, preaching the gospel is vital, okay? In fact, if some of you are actually dropping in your attitude towards God, it's okay, it happens. Okay, if some of you are dropping in your attitude towards God and maybe feeling tired and useless, I'm not doing enough for God or I'm, I don't really, I'm not really getting on with God at the moment, you know what, sharing the good news of his peace actually helps with that. actually helps. You know, it's actually, you know, uh, sharing the gospel is something we should, as necessity, be active in. You know, it's helpful for us, it's good for us. You know, that's, this, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But then there's preaching the gospel and then there's ramming it down someone's throat. Okay? Yeah. Or there's preaching the gospel and doing it well, but when the person you're preaching to then looks at how you act and behave, uh, they wonder if you're actually any different at all. And so the news you told them is undermined. So we come back to this fact. Purity comes first. We need to do what is right. Okay? Uh, a brilliant quote, if it's even going to come up. <laughs> I have no clue. There we go. No. <laughs> uh, I don't like this today. There you go. It is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. It's a good quote. It's a good quote. He does continue. I'll say his last bit as well. As for me, I desire this privilege from the Lord, that never may I have any privilege from man except to do reverence to all to convert the world by obedience to the holy rule, rather by example than by word. Okay? It's the way we live. It's no surprise then that our manner and our attitude actually counts for something. Okay? Peacemaking is sharing the gospel of Christ in an attitude that is peaceable. Okay? Is standing for what is right, true, and just in a peaceable way. Now, there are two places this sort of attitude should be evident. The church. God not only brought peace between us and himself, but also to everyone who actually joins to Christ. Okay? He makes peace between each other. Okay? For he himself is our peace 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far and peace to those who were near. Which basically means he preached peace to the Gentiles and to the Jews, two different sects that hated each other. We are made one. And to be fair, I have some amazing friends and family in this church that I probably would never have had if I didn't like God. Okay? There are all sorts of things that, that would have barriered me off from the friends I have, whether it's age differences, culture differences, whatever. I would never have been friends with them. Never. But because of the, you know, being involved in Christ, it's just happened. You know? This is the peace that he creates between us, between all different cultures. We call ourselves a multicultural church, but in fairness, we're part of a new culture, which is the culture of the kingdom of God. Okay? We are made one, so we should be at peace with each other. We should be. Okay? Obviously, it's not always the case. And here's the thing. If, if we live in contempt towards each other, if we have conflicts, or, as James said, due to sinful desires, if we bear bitterness, if we are unforgiving, if we, are not, you know, if, if we do those things, we are not acting like our father. We are not acting like our father. And we are not showing the world a good example of our apparent new lives and our new culture in Christ. We do it in justice when we act that way. If we look just as chaotic as the world, then why on earth would they want to join us exactly. if we're just the same? Amen. You know? And in a sense, this is blasphemy to God. Because we are doing his name and his message of peace and justice when we act this way here. Yeah. Or anywhere where we are. Okay? We are making it stink to the unsaved. And we are doing our new family that we have been brought into discredit. We need to realise that as part of this family, we should be at peace with each other. We are members of the same household. Okay? So the important thing, I'm going to give some more practical advice a bit later. So the thing is, we need to forgive each other. We need to bear each other's burdens. Okay? We need to do good to those. It says, do good to those first to the household of faith in which you share. To them first. If you're not, you're not acting as a son. You're not acting as a son. But don't worry, God will discipline you. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. It's funny because I was looking up the word teach the other day. This isn't part of my notes. I was looking up the word teach the other day in, in the Hebrew uh, dictionary because that's just what I do because I'm such a nerd. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and it, means, it means goad. And it means like the, the actual tool, a goad, an ox goad. You know, you prod the cattle. And it was interesting because I read on its use and sometimes the, the, the ox or whatever would kick back. You know, I'm rebelling. I don't like this anymore. And it would just sink in further, the, the goad, if more it kicked. And so eventually it would learn to go the right way. So don't worry, God will goad you if you're... Uh... God will goad you. <laughs> Another place we're supposed to be in peace in the world. Right Now understand, uh, there's a scripture that says, you know, we are not to be friends of the world. Granted, okay? Understand that this is what it means. We are not to tolerate the world. Okay? We are not to compromise our beliefs on it. Okay? We're not to compromise our beliefs because of the world. Okay? Okay? But we are to live peaceably with it. We are to. Okay? This world does not need more Christian extremists who curse unbelievers to their face. Okay? Hate seeing that. Hate seeing that. Nor do they need people who are supposedly saved just acting hostile towards them. Here's the truth, guys. The world is in darkness. Okay? 
The Bible says they're controlled by the God of this world, whether they want to believe that or not, whether they like that or not. That is the case. Okay? They are slaves to their own desires and lusts, just as we were. They don't need hostility towards them due to the actions that they personally cannot control, that they are slave to. They don't need hostility on that. Okay? We may not like what they do, but they don't need our hostility. What they need is the truth in love and peace, which brings about the opening of their eyes and the change in their hearts, both of which are accomplished by God through us, if we really are acting like sons. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay? That's what they need. So the church and the world. Okay, so how? Help. How do we do this? All right. (laughs) So... How we maintain peace in both these spheres. Uh, brilliantly enough, the Bible is very practical. And I, I keep coming back to James, because James is just such a practical, practical guy. Okay? Okay, so... Zip it. <laughs> Control your tongue. Okay? I'm sure you've all heard the scripture. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to speak. And slow to anger. Okay? <laughs> That's right, we'll pray for you later. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right. The first thought, basically the first thought to reply that you get, hold on to it, right? Okay, the urge to immediately chime in with your lot on an issue, resist that, okay? The, the need to share with a friend something you heard about them that was said about them that wasn't nice. Don't do it. It's not nice. No one wants to re-utter those words, okay? The annoyance you feel, you know, and your tongue ready to, you know, fire back in retaliation, just, just don't, okay? Just don't do it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, brilliant, brilliant preacher. The peacemaker is a man who does not say things. He often feels like saying them, don't we all? But for the sake of peace, he does not, okay? He doesn't. This also goes for Facebook and other social media, by the way. Okay? It's not just talking, it's writing. Think before you type. I should probably have that. I should have written that up or something. Make a slogan out of it. Think before you type. Is it peaceful? Do they really need to know? Is there any benefit from what you're writing up and posting on your, your wall or blog or whatever? Okay? Think about it. Are you actually going to be causing peace by doing it? Or are you actually going to be causing some arguments because of it? The thing that gets in the way of peace in a situation the most is our tongue and our desire to say what we want, write what we want. Okay? And as, as an added extra, our pride is also a problem in thinking that we actually know best and have the right thing to say at that time. Okay? Now, we often feel we need to speak our mind, but if everyone spoke their mind, and to be pretty honest, they do, you know, especially on the internet, you hear everyone's thoughts. Okay? If, you know... I don't even know how to end that. You know, you know, we are part of a new family, and we have a new obligation to act differently, like I said before. And uh, we, we, have an, we, we have to act differently than the people the world do. Okay? They've got their family. We've got ours. Okay? We live at peace with them, but we've got to act differently. Okay? So here's the thing. Hold back and just listen. Okay, learn not to speak. Ask God to teach you this week, if nothing else. Just, hey God, teach me. Or, as I said earlier, goad me. You know, <laughs> just make sure, make sure I keep my tongue under wraps, you know. And I, I'm, I'm going to bring this up. I, I was debating whether or not to. 
we should hold our tongues, especially about the issue of this referendum. There's too much talking going on. It's too much talking going on. And some really horrible things have been said about people who vote either side. Okay? In retaliation or whatever, idiot this, that, whatever. Okay? There are some, you know, horrible responses, whatever. And you know what? These, some, most of these that I've seen so far are from Christians. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't be like that. Not from us. It's too much talking. And I've personally made my own mistake as well. I had a debate with my brother on it. Never again. Right. So, but you know what? I shouldn't have started that. And I'm, I'm learning as well. You know, I'm not sat, sitting up here perfect saying, yeah, you know what? I've got my tongue under wraps. You guys do it as well. You know, we're learning. Okay? Let's learn this together. Okay? You know, ask God. You know, God, teach us not to speak. You know? Teach us just to shut up. <laughs> but when we do speak, because okay, eventually we have to, right? Um, when we do speak, our speech is to be seasoned with salt. We don't snipe and we don't put the other guy down. Okay? We are not to be aggressive in our speech. And I, I quoted, I was talking to David in the car and I, I quoted him. So, um, if you've, and this is what he said. He said, if you've got to be aggressive to make a point, are you sure you're on the right side of the argument? You might be, but it's a good question to ask. Plus, something I've learned as well is people typically shut down if you're starting to be offensive. Yeah. You know, if you're talking to someone and you're, you're being offensive, people are just going to shut off and then start thinking of what they want to say because they can't hold their own tongue, so they will say what they want to say about you and then you will say what you want to say about them and they will say what they say about you, you know, all that stuff, right? So, you know, it, it just comes tip for tap. So, yeah, I know, very long point, but I think it's a very a, a good one for us and one we should all learn. Just, let's just zip it. Let's just be quiet. Second point, change your view. It's not about you. And I've put in my notes to say it again. It's not about you. It's not about you. Another pattern in the Beatitudes, and I I didn't have time to make the presentation fancy, I'm glad because it's not really working properly anyway. Um, Another pattern in the Beatitudes is that the first three Beatitudes... And then the first three after the fourth beatitude, that's very confusing, go to your Bibles to see if you want to, okay? <laughs> they are linked, okay? Jesus is very clever, believe it or not, being God, okay? You cannot be, so, so here's the thing, right, okay? You can't be merciful, which is one of them, without being poor in spirit, okay? You cannot be pure in heart if, you're not, if you don't already hate and mourn the sin in your own life. And likewise, you cannot be a peacemaker if you are not Meek. What is meekness? I'll tell you quickly. It's not weakness. Meekness is basically no longer being preoccupied with myself. Okay? Not preoccupied. Eyes off of me. Your eyes are off of yourself. Okay? It's not about my rights. It's not about how a situation affects me. Okay? When we start to think in terms of ourselves, and to be fair, we've really already lost our chance of any peace. Okay? And why is that? Because you become too open to offence. Way too open. Okay? What did Jesus do when he was offended and sneered at and made fun of and wrongly accused? He took it. Did he take, did he take offense and retaliate? No, he didn't. Why? Because of the joy of what he personally would accomplish. He had a greater mission in mind than just himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come down here in the first place. Oh, I've just skipped past something. There we go. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So what do we learn from that? Well, as I just said, remember it's not just about you. Okay, remember, you're now part of a family. You have an obligation to act differently. Okay? You're an ambassador. You have a mission. You have a message. You have a cause. You're, like I said, you're part of this prestigious family. When you act badly, you are not putting yourself to shame, as much as you might think you are, okay? but you're putting Christ to shame and his message. Okay? It's really important. Okay? That's why we need to, we need to get this. So the next time we, before we speak or whatever we do, we should think... I know, I know we don't often do that, but we, sh- we should think, hey, you know what? If I do act this way, you know, am, am I going to be causing my family shame? Am I going to be create, you know, am I going to put God to shame in this? And just remember, if someone treats you badly or isn't, you know, uh, holding their tongue, <laughs> you know, towards you or whatever, remember um, these words that Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. It hated me before it hated you. You will, you will be, he promises, great promise, you will be hated by everyone because of me. Okay? It's not about you. It's about him. They hate you because they hate Jesus. And if that's the way it is, then we shouldn't worry if we're being offended. Because we think, you know what? And, and Jesus said, I, I didn't bring it up, it says, they would love you if you were of the world. Even though they'd snipe each other anyway. You know? So you can think next time someone insults you, you know what, they would love me if I was corrupt or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. No, but don't think like that. It's whatever. Anyway, let me, let, me, let me ditch that. Raise those words. <laughs> right. Keep a clear head. It's not about you. It's about God. And it's about his glory. You know, It's about his glory. Let's not act inappropriately as, as children and heirs of God. Now, close. Hey. Okay. So, they're my points. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay? It's interesting the way it's arranged. It's not, be, make, do your best to be a peacemaker, then you will be called a son of God. That's not what it's saying. It's, it's, you know, it's confusing, but it actually is saying, if you are a son of God, you pretty much will be acting the way your father acts, and you will be a peacemaker. Okay? I've said before in my other sermons, the Beatitudes are not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not you, need, you do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. No, no, it's, it's a reflection of what's already happening inside you. It's kind of, if you are saved, if you are part of this new family, these traits will begin to be established in you and they will go ever increasingly in your life. Okay? But we are to strive for it and we are able to strive for those things as children in God. So we should strive for them knowing that we can't actually do them without him. Okay? It's a good point to make. Okay. So remember that in all this we are to be like our Lord Jesus. Okay? He made peace at a cost to himself. He didn't think about his rights as the true son of God. He gave everything for the sake of peace between us and God. And this brings him glory. Let's do all we can for the glory of God and for our adopted father who will never cast us out. And has shown this great love and this great peace to us. This is all to the glory of our master and brother as well, Jesus, in whom we share an inheritance. He is the one who rescued us and desires to rescue others through us by a message of peace. So let's bring it. Let's start bringing this message of peace. Let's start being peaceable 
okay, in our attitude. If you struggle with it, ask God, you know. In fact, we'll probably have prayer at the front as well if you want to come down for prayer or whatever. But let me end on this anyway. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition, eyes off yourself, okay, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Okay? Let each of you not look only to his own interests, again, eyes off for yourself, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, though he was equal with God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the heaven, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. 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 Now, can I'm going to pray in a second. Can we start communion off? Those, those who are doing communion, could you, uh, can you start to take your place, please? Thank you. Um, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and, and, then, and then, we'll, then, we'll have, then we'll have communion, and uh, we'll have music playing and all of that. But um, let, let, let's, just, let's just end in prayer while that's all being set up. Father God, I, I, I just want to thank you for, for, for your word. For your words, uh, I thank you. This is not the wisdom of man. This is not just, uh, oh, these, these are some good points to, to, to make for us to all live in harmony better or whatever. You know, these, these are your words. You know, these are these are things that are tried and tested by you yourself. You know, uh, you are the greatest peacemaker on earth. You've made peace with our souls. You know, we would be lost if it wasn't for you. We would be judged and, and condemned if it wasn't for your mercy and your grace. And so we want to thank you for that today. And uh, I just pray for those who have heard about your grace and your peace for the first time, whether, whether or not I, I present it well or badly or whatever, I, I pray that you impact them, Lord God, and uh, that, you, that you show them, you know, you desire peace between man for all who accept. You desire that peace. And uh, I just pray you continue to make changes in our lives, you know, whether or not we know you right now. To, for those who don't know you, to make the change to, to know you. And for those who do know you, to, I pray, please make, help us make a change to stop being peaceful with people and peaceable. Help us to hold our tongues. <laughs> you know, uh, James says the tongue, you know, it's, 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 it's like a small spark that sets the forest on fire. You know, we, we, you know, we say one thing and we're like, done, why did I do that? Help us, because we've been so terrible at it. You know, I just pray, help us and, 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 and teach us, you know, teach us this aspect. Teach us to see things differently as well. Let us gain a heavenly perspective on things so we can look at things rightly and peaceably. You know, let us do your name honour. Thank you that we are part of your kingdom. Thank you that we are part of uh, your heritage. You know, thank you that you have adopted us, that we can never be cast out. What an amazing thing to know that we can never be cast out. What security, what grace. It's an amazing thing 
Let's remember it always. Let's stand firm on that grace. And let's, let's work for you in that, in love, because of your love. Not, in, not just because of uh, law and points, but because your love for us initiates love for you. I pray for that, Lord. Help, help us change. Help us to love you more. Help us to live at peace with you and others. And, and help us see more increase because of that extension of peace. Help us see more the increase of quality and quality of Christians in Harlow and around the world. Thank you, Lord, that everything is in your hands. You are in complete control of all things. Steady our hearts and bring them peace, Lord, when we worry. Thank you, Lord. Let us remember you during this time of communion as well. Let's just remember you. Let's just focus on you and for all you've done for us. Thank you. Continue to empower us, Lord. You are a good, loving Father. Thank you that we can call you Dad. Amen. Amen.